Uh, this is Lindsey Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast, recorded Friday, February the 25th. On this week's edition, we're going to talk more about the Arkansas racial gerrymander case, the fiscal session, and the big swell, and other odds and ends. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Hello. We talked at length uh, last week about Judge Lee Rudowski's uh, really nutty ruling in the uh, racial gerrymander case. Uh, it It has continued to attract national uh, headlines and analysis. I think pretty much uniformly uh, it's been condemned as, as just really beyond the pale. Uh, the big news we were waiting for uh, last week was whether or not the federal government would intervene and there was ju- the Justice Department and it declined to do so. So yeah, uh, it, now it the case is say, it did say they thought he was wrong, right. at least. But, you know, they had five days. You know, you just don't jump into a case like this on this notice, which is something the judge in, in, inevitably knew. And shortly after plaintiffs, the public policy panel, the NACP, the ACLU said they will appeal. This was, they actually made that decision quicker than I expected because it's a decision not without risk. And that is what if it goes up the eighth circuit and it's affirmed and then maybe it goes to the Supreme court and is affirmed and then nationwide, there's no access to courts where some of these suits, voting rights act suits have been successful. And for now, I mean, Rudofsky's ruling doesn't apply to anybody. I mean, not even in the, it's not even precedent in the Eastern District of Arkansas. If they had another judge in another case, they could decide it differently. But so appealing in the current climate has its risk, but they just decided this was too much of an affront to the Voting Rights Act not to challenge it. So. But that that is uh, it's not likely to be heard for some time. Oh, no. I mean, the I, the the appeal briefing schedule at the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals won't be completed until May, at least. And that's after the primaries. I mean, the elections are going ahead under these districts. That's that's a given. That's over. That's happening. And the the thrust of the condemnation has been a point that I think you brought up last week, and that's that. He's basing the, the the precedent on this on something that was uh, a minority opinion from um, just two justices. So it's it's not actually yeah, and it, and it wasn't really even in their case an opinion. It was sort of like saying, why hadn't somebody raised this? I mean, you know, they Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch clearly were begging that somebody raise it, but and 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 as I said, we know. The Texas attorney general raised in the Texas case and was slapped down. I mean, I think this is something circulating in federalist circles. And they would, you talk about put the, close the lid on the coffin is if they eliminated a private right of action in voting rights suits, it's over. I mean, it's curtains. Well, anything else we need to talk about on this? No, I don't. I, I would mention that there's still hope uh, for a lawsuit to be filed challenging the congressional redistricting, which has not yet been refiled. And I think that the likeliest scenario is a lawsuit that's going to narrowly not challenge the entire congressional plan, but specifically challenge how they gerrymandered the second district by moving black voters out and white voters in that they didn't need to do so as to increase French Hill's reelection chances. 
But I'm hopeful that's going to get filed. Again, I, I don't think, well, it doesn't really matter in the primary. It won't, won't have any effect there. <clears throat> but uh, but it there might still be time to get something done about that before the general election if the suit can be perfected. All right, well, let's move on and talk about the Arkansas General Assembly's fiscal session. Uh, the Common Ground, Jim Hendren's uh, group, put out a, a tweet that, that you uh, put on the blog of a state legislator, I think it was John Payton, who in the course of advocating for the, the his colleagues to move forward on some Texas-style abortion law, admitted that no one really had much to do. <laughs> Well, right. I mean, the fiscal session is stupid. That was always going to be the case. I mean, instead of they used to just do appropriation bills for two years, and and if something weird happened, you could always have a special session to fix some shortfall or another. But this is this is just an excuse for those guys to come down and grab some more money and per diem. And so, you know, they they've had this session. Although it could have been dealt with in a special session too, if they didn't have this fiscal session, they've got this legislation on revamping the public employee and state teachers' health insurance program. Big deal, very big deal. Uh, but but that's that could have been handled in a three day session too. So so yeah, they're just mostly drawing pay and having some fancy balls for the House and Senate, and you know, otherwise adding. Add money to the. A lot of them live off the legislature, so that's that's all they're doing. I, I you know, it's. Uh, but the good news is, is in a, in a funny way, the less they do, the better. Uh, the leadership of the House and Senate have both been pretty successful in limiting the agenda of the session to budget matters, not counting health insurance, which is, after all, a fiscal matter because it's about a lot of money. And so the result is, is foolishness isn't getting through. And so I guess, you know, in a funny way, we should be at least grateful for that. All right. Well, let's let's talk about a few. Uh, oh, well, I guess we should mention that the PBS budget still has not gotten through. And maybe it was on its way to before an ice storm, but it, it, it hasn't passed. Right. I think they thought they might have the votes to pass it uh, before the uh, session ended early. <clears throat> because of the impending ice storm, they had somebody who was going to speak, and that person had to leave. So, I mean, it's going to be passed eventually, but but they're sure uh, causing them a lot of grief. All right, well, let, let's talk about a few other odds and ends. Uh, you you got uh, the receipts on Leslie Rutledge's trip to the border, and she spent quite a bit of money on on this. Yeah, uh, and. Yeah, well, and, you know, $4,000 at least in taxpayer money. But, you know, the thing about it that was interesting to me is, well, first of all, they didn't give a full accounting. They never did explain and have not answered my question of how Leslie and her communications aide, Stephanie Sharp, got down there and back. And you still have this thing where you had three employees in the attorney general's office dispatched for almost a week's worth of work. And like the chief security guy makes eighty thousand dollars a year. Stephanie Sharp makes eighty thousand dollars a year, and it, it, it's obviously nothing but a political stunt. The, the part at the Mexican border was just a political stunt. But worse than that, they had two security guys in Houston for two days when Leslie Rutledge was in Houston for two days to go see Donald Trump at a Trump rally. 
I, I don't see how in the world you can justify dispatching publicly paid employees to guard the attorney general of Arkansas at, at a Trump rally. It's just, it's unbelievable to me, but I don't know that anybody cares much, but, <clears throat> but she, uh, she's spends freely and gets away with it. I uh, wanted toot uh, the horn of the Arkansas Nonprofit News Network and my colleague Benji Hardy for his just excellent reporting on the Arkansas Highway De- Highway and Transportation, or what's it called? Arkansas Department of Transportation Arkansas, now. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, failures to, failure to, uh, to monitor, to, to properly inspect the I-30 bridge to, or I-40 bridge to Memphis. Just I did a just, really thorough yeah, accounting of, of just what a masterful right. accounting of a very complex circumstance. But the simplistic bottom line is that I think if you're a casual reader of newspapers, you might think, oh, that numb nuts bridge inspector missed a crack in 2016 and we're lucky the thing didn't fall down. The story is, is they've been been aware of problems in bridge welds on that bridge for what decades, and some problems were cited years ago, and 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 it demonstrated shortcomings in the inspection process for years. Partially not having real engineers going behind some of the inspectors and making sure that some of these welds are safe or not, and that, that's kind of the short version of it. But I mean, another the Arkansas if. Looking back to the Arkansas Department of Transportation, is they made the fall guy this this lowly bridge inspector, let the guys who supervised him quietly retire later on. There was really no big shakeup in the department. I mean, it's the classic deal, you know, a, a school burns down because of inactive safety precautions, and you fire the janitor. I mean, it's it's just that's the Arkansas, and I had to laugh. I mean, I, I mean the Arkansas Department of Transportation, I like to kick around a little bit. Because this week, you know, the governor had this big announcement about how Arkansas is going to be on the forefront of the new mobility. We're going to be pioneering autonomous vehicles and electric vehicles and drones and all this stuff. And he brought out Laurie Tudor from the Department of Transportation. I said, we're going to be on a cutting edge of this. We're always forward looking. And I thought, yeah, Arkansas, all they know how to do is give me a freeway and add some more lanes to it. I still remember that their former director laughing at the notion of autonomous cars becoming a factor on Arkansas freeways. Anyway, that's just, that's just my pet peeve of the day. Obviously the biggest news of the week is uh, Russia invading Ukraine. Um, It's, there are some Arkansas angles uh, in that Republicans are trying to make it uh, a political issue and struggling. The governor had his weekly press conference today and fielded a lot of questions from Ukraine and gave kind of a generic, we support the people of Ukraine thing and, and just some but he got lame. A dig in it, got a dig in it, Biden. Yeah, lame criticism of Biden for not moving swiftly, more swiftly with the sanctions. Um Chris Jones, the the Democratic uh, probably front runner for the nomination for governor, asked Sarah Sanders to repudiate Donald Trump's endorsement of Putin. <laughs> just, you know, just yeah, as a savvy genius. Yeah, 
And, and I, I think later today, Sarah Huckabee posted something on social media about how she's still standing by her man Trump. It wasn't specifically related to that issue, but I mean, what else was there to say? No, I, I think the the Republicans are all saying, "Oh, we love Ukraine now," but they weren't doing much for them back when Trump was trying to sabotage building up their defenses. But and a lot of them are trying to blame Biden. And they're also, they're going to try and make gas prices the issue of the day. Forget about people dying in heroic fashion in Ukraine. If an American has to pay 50 cents more a gallon for gas, that's the real problem. It's, uh, it's infuriating, really, is what it is. Carolyn Brown, a state representative from Sherwood, made the terrible mistake of, of going on Twitter today and saying, well, okay, you know, Putin may be a bad guy, but, I mean, you can't say he's not a savvy genius. She's now taking the tweet down. Of course, the internet lives forever, and I, I saved the screenshot of it. And she has a really great Democratic opponent, Janet Cotton, and, and I hope the people up there realize what a dimwit idiot they have for a representative in Carolyn Brown and beat her. And I think the story of the day, I think, and I hope it becomes the story of the war, are these amazing individual vignettes that are emerging from Ukraine. There's the ghost of Kiev, who they think a Ukrainian fighter pilot has shot down five Russian planes. I don't know if this has been confirmed, but it's it's Internet lore now. They definitely confirmed this story where there were 13 members of the Ukrainian Navy occupying a little island out in the Black Sea. A Russian warship radios to tell them to lay down their arms and surrender. And they say, go fuck yourself. <laughs> And then they all got massacred. All 13 of them were killed by shelling from the Russian warship. Then there's this great exchange that they videotaped of a, a Ukrainian woman who ran into Russian soldiers. And she keeps trying to give them a handful of sunflower seeds. Sunflowers are apparently the, the symbol of Ukraine. And she says, no, I want you to have them because after you're killed and buried in the ground, then the flowers will bloom. Wow. <laughs> Just... A, they're just and they're the and there's this guy this this Ukrainian soldier who went out and was assigned to blow up a bridge to prevent the tanks from rolling into Kiev and he got it set up to blow it up but he couldn't get off so he blew it up with himself on it. Just unbelievable stories and the mayor of Kiev who's some former boxer's out gotten his AK-47 out and I mean, you know I think the Russians. I, and I also saw a report that more people have been, more Russian soldiers have been killed than were killed by than U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan over the last two years, like more than 200. I can't think that there's a great thirst in Russia to go after Ukraine, but there are a lot of Ukrainians who have a great thirst to defend their country. And if the, and if the narrative becomes these heroic democratic people standing up against these autocratic invaders and bullies. Can the Republicans really stick with the Trump theme on this? Can they, can they really? Will French Hill finally stand up and be a man for once on something? I don't know. That's probably asking too much. But I've just been inspired by the stuff I'm reading. Okay, well, let's let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. I guess that could well, be... Well, I endorse you, Crank. <laughs> They're going to... They're going to light the bridges downtown tonight in, in uh, blue and gold colors in support of Ukraine. And I hope all the bank buildings do the same thing. I don't know. Those bankers might be nervous about making Trump angry. I don't know. Dallas did it last night. 
and it, it was a beautiful sight. So I'm, I'm an endorsing anything that, that helps Ukraine. All right, well, I'm willing to pay, I'm willing to pay more for gasoline if that's the cost. Yeah, me too. Well, I'll, I'll second that. I don't, I don't have anything this week, so we'll, we'll do a short one this, this time. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Be safe. Uh, we'll be back next week. See you around.